This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. The year was 1938. Events were escalating that would usher in World War II. In December, Sir Nicholas Winton sacrificed his vacation as a stockbroker to travel to Czechoslovakia. God had given Nicholas a heart for the refugees that were taken, and he wanted to witness firsthand what was happening. During his three weeks in the Czech capital, Nicholas Winton made some of the war's most effective and selfless efforts to save hundreds of children from mass genocide. And he didn't stop when he returned to his home in London. For nine more months, Sir Nicholas planned and implemented eight train evacuations for 669 children. Because of Winton's heroism, there are now over 6,000 descendants of those children that were liberated from tragic deaths. In the middle of the world's most horrendous wars... God used one man to bring peace to 669 children. 2,000 years ago, God used one man to bring peace to every man, woman, boy, and girl who will accept him as their Lord and Savior. Jesus, the Son of God, born to reconcile the enmity between God and man, to bridge the vast gulf created by our sin, to bring us peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our world is one filled with war, hatred, abuse, violence, and cruelty. In our country, refugees feel alienated and despised, and racial injustice is regarded as just an ugly normality. In our own community, there is unemployment and family dysfunction and people who are one illness away from financial ruin. It transcends our human understanding that in the midst of it all, we can find peace. Because your son was willing to be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquity, his punishment brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. Peace with you far surpasses any earthly peace we can hope to experience. Use us to extend your peace to the hostile world in which we live. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Treasures to the king. 
mountains, take it to the streets. Tell the news that Christ is born to everyone you meet. The hope of our redemption, the light of all mankind, is calling us to go and tell the story one more time. Repeat the sounding joy to the world, for Christ the Lord has come. Let every tribe and nation be heard. Repeat, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. stuff. Well, I know you brought your Bibles here, and uh, you're ready to enter into a study of the Word, and if you would go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And as we approach Christmas, you already know my topic, don't you? Which makes it a little hard for me as your pastor, because of my limited intelligence and creativity, there are only so many ways I have found to present the Christmas story, and, and I realize that God's Word can stand alone, and it doesn't need my creativity, God's Word doesn't need my ingenuity, but I still frequently pray that God would help me to not just get the easy-picking morsels that are on the surface. So sometimes that's what we do, but but I want to dig down a little bit and find some food, and maybe we could just call it soul food, that's not as obvious and maybe not as accessible as some of the truths in God's Word that we've heard over and over and over. And today's lesson doesn't necessarily give us any new and never-before-discovered truths, but let me just say, God has given me a tremendous excitement to once again present the Christmas story to you. Thank you for allowing me the privilege of sharing with you Sunday after Sunday. I don't take this privilege for granted. You are so, yeah, you're patient with me, and you treat me far better than I deserve. Thank you for allowing us the privilege of serving at this church. Let's pray once again. Father, thank you for just the, just the opportunity we have to explore your word and we, as always, we need your help. We need your spirit. We need that understanding. And uh, God, if there's something maybe beyond the obvious truth that we haven't seen before, uh, Lord, help us to dig down and, and, and grab that truth and understand it, that we would better be better servants of yours. I pray this in your name. And again, everybody said, amen. amen. To launch us into this lesson, let me say that almost all of us have this insatiable or, or this never-ending desire to, to make complete sense out of life. We, we want everything to fit together perfectly like a puzzle. We want to be able to connect the dots of life. In fact, we've coined several phrases to help convince ourselves that this can be done. For example, we say, we say things like this, everything happens for a reason. Have you ever said that? Yeah, you have. <laughs> and of course, the implication is that despite the bad thing that might have happened, we, we try to convince ourselves that there's a reason for it and good will come from it. Everything happens for a reason. 
Or, or here's something else that we say to, to, to try to convince ourselves that, that everything will always make sense. We say, well, it just wasn't meant to be. You've said that too, haven't you? Um, and sometimes when I hear that, I want to respond back and, and just say, what do you mean by that? Back that up scripturally. It just wasn't meant to be. Or, or here's something else that we say, it will all work out. And again, sometimes I want to question that person saying, okay, what do you base that on? It will all work out. But, but the problem is that in this life, it doesn't always work out. And if you pop off these little cliches to people who are trying to make sense out of life, instead of bringing comfort, you may actually push them deeper into despair. For example, if a dad or a mom with small kids unexpectedly loses a job and you tell them, well, I guess it just wasn't meant to be, you're not helping them. Just wasn't meant to be? What do you mean? Or your marriage falls apart and you really tried to make it work. You got counseling and still ended up in a bitter divorce, and you say, well, everything happens for a reason. Uh, frankly, that's not a very smart thing to say. Or, or there's a terrible tragedy, and a loved one is suddenly taken from a family, and you respond to those who are in shock, and they're heartbroken, and wondering how they can go on, and, and you say, well, it will all work out. If that's the best we can do, we need to just zip it or put a sock in it. In fact, a, a piece of advice, when someone loses a loved one or loses a job or loses a marriage, instead of thinking that we always have to give advice and spout off one of those worthless cliches, most of the time it would be best to just cry with them and not say much at all. Maybe say, I'm so sorry. You don't always have to give them advice. Just sorrow with them. The, the truth is, in this life, we won't always be able to find advice or be able to find answers that are satisfactory. That There are some things in life that just don't make sense. And, and yes, God can always bring good from it. But in this life, phrases like, it just wasn't meant to be, or everything happens for a reason, those are not always theologically sound phrases, nor should they be carelessly spouted off to someone who has gone through an event that doesn't make sense. And that brings us to our lesson, because today we will focus our thoughts around an event in the Bible that at the time it happened, it didn't make sense. It didn't even come close to making sense. The, the Christmas story that we all love didn't make sense. That the story of Jesus, uh, you know, God leaving heaven and, and, and being crammed into the body of a baby, dying on the cross, that didn't make sense. That the first Christmas was illogical. That the first Christmas was unexplainable. It was bizarre. You know the story well, but let's read it again. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, try to imagine the drama. 
And I really wish that we had music that would help create the suspense and the drama of the angel appearing out of nowhere to this virgin. The virgin's name was Mary. And understand that Luke, as he's telling this story, he had no idea what would happen in the future as a result of this event. He had no idea that that thousands of cathedrals and thousands of churches would be built as a result of this event. He had no idea that wars would be fought, that missionaries would be sent across the world, that books would be written, that countless people would give their lives in order to get this story out of the first century or to get this story into a language that common people like us could read and understand. Luke had no idea of the implications as he's informing us of this historical event. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, and and pay attention to this phrase, you who are highly favored. You know, our Catholic friends have latched on to this phrase, uh, you who are highly favored, uh, favored, and and on to this next phrase, the Lord is with you, and and no disrespect to anyone that might have a Catholic background, but but in their liturgy, one of the oft-repeated phrases phrases is blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb which partially comes from the scripture verse 29 mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be and i think you would have been troubled as well can you imagine an angel all of a sudden just appearing to you verse 30 but the angel said to her do not be afraid mary you and and here it is again have found favor with god You will be with child, give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Listen, his kingdom will never end. Now, if Mary would have had the presence of mind to think about it, and and she probably didn't. She was probably so freaked out by the present sudden appearance of this angel. But if she would have had the presence of mind to think a little bit, this last statement would have thrown her off because the, the angel said, your son's kingdom will never end. And, and she might have thought, Mr. Angel, it's obvious that you don't have a very good grasp of world history. But, but do you not remember that the nation of Israel has not been an independent nation for over 500 years? Mr. Angel, are you not aware of that? And and are you aware that I'm just a teenage girl? No one's ever heard of me. You're telling me that my son, that I didn't know I was going to have, first of all, would have a kingdom, and secondly, a kingdom that would never end. And then Luke chose words that preachers kind of skip over because we don't want to bring too much attention to this. But Mary asked the question that any teenage girl would ask. Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. In other words, Mr. Angel, I've been morally pure. And so how am I going to have a baby? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now today, because we've heard this story all of our lives, These words that Mary's boy was going to be the son of God, they don't shock us. But do you know how surprising, how shocking, and perhaps even blasphemous that might have sounded to Mary? 
Mary, you as a teenage girl will have a boy and he will be the son of God? Well, continuing on, verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. And pay attention to this, for nothing is impossible with God. Can I just say that again? Nothing is impossible with God. Now, because we live today instead of 2,000 years ago, here's what we can't fully understand. It had been about 400 years since the Jews had heard from God. Theologians call this 400 years of silence. From the end of the Old Testament to, to the time that Jesus showed up in the beginning pages of the New Testament were 400 years where there's no record that God spoke to humankind. 400 years of silence. Now, of course, God's silence didn't mean God's absence. Because during those 400 years, some amazing things took place. The Babylonian Empire rose up and everybody thought that Babylon is forever, but it wasn't. And then the Persian Empire rose up and everybody thought, well, the Persian Empire is forever, but it wasn't. And then Alexander the Great came along and it was the Greeks' time to rule and everybody thought, well, Greece is forever, but it wasn't. And eventually Rome came along, and and when Mary was living, everyone thought, Rome is the superpower, Rome is forever. And, And here this silly angel said, your son is going to have a kingdom, and his kingdom will last forever and ever and ever. Frankly, that didn't make a bit of sense, because again at that time, everyone thought, no, 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 Rome is forever, just like they thought that Greece was forever, just that they thought... The, the Persians were forever and, and Babylon's forever. But God, through the angel, showed up and said, No, you don't understand. This isn't about the plan of man. This is about the plan of God. Well, the angel went away. And, and, and according to the biblical historical record that we have, at least to my knowledge, The angel Gabriel never showed up again to Mary, but I bet she wished he had. Because all of a sudden, her life got very, very complicated. I mean, here she was, a pregnant teenage girl without an understanding of how she could be pregnant. And and I'm quite sure that Mary had a lot of questions. There were probably days when Mary was like, "Hey, hey, Mr. Angel. And by the way, we've always equated angels as being mrs angels i guess because men are ugly and women are beautiful we think that angels are supposed to be beautiful but 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 this angel was gabriel not not gabrielle but i wonder if there were days when mary said mr angel you got to come back down here and explain my pregnancy to my friends and and to my mama and especially my daddy he's ready to throw me out of the house And while you're at it, Mr. Angel, don't forget to explain this to my fiancé, Joseph, as well. He's ready to dump me because he thinks I cheated on him, and he's going to shame me publicly and announce to everyone that I'm pregnant and it's not his baby. Well, then talk about bad timing. Caesar Augustus decreed that everybody had to go back to their hometown and register for a census. And and so Joseph says to Mary, I've got some bad news, and then I've got some really, really bad news. The bad news is you got to go with me to Bethlehem. 
which as the crow flies would be about 70 miles, but more than likely on foot would have been over 100 miles with the winding paths that they would have to take. That's the bad news. But Mary, the really, really bad news is that to get to Bethlehem, you have to either walk or ride a donkey, even though you're nearly nine months pregnant. So, so basically, misfavored of God, remember that's what the angel said, misfavored of God is going to take a donkey ride about the distance from Eldorado Springs to Kansas City while she is nearly full term in her pregnancy. And you know the story, when they get to Bethlehem, there's no room in the inn. You, you would think that the angel Gabriel would have at least reserved a room for them probably because the angel was Gabriel instead of Gabrielle. A female angel would have been better with details, but, <laughs> but Gabriel made no reservations for them. Well, the story continues to deteriorate, and you could show up at any point and say, why, why would God allow that to happen? And that doesn't make sense. And of course, Herod finds out that a king has been born, and he's jealous, and we come to that tragic part of the Christmas story that we can't think about very long because it's so unsettling and, and can overpower all the romance that we associate with Christmas early one morning. As the people were waking up, getting ready for another day, Herod's soldiers show up in Bethlehem, and they begin to strategically make their way through the city and the surrounding area, and by the end of the day, every single parent with a baby boy two years old and under had had their babies ripped out of their hands and slaughtered in a senseless expression of jealousy. And for the rest of her life, we don't think about this, but Mary had to have lived knowing that whereas God warned her and saved her little boy from this slaughter, yet God did nothing. Have you ever thought about this? God did nothing to rescue the other little children from the hands of Herod's soldiers? I mean, God, couldn't you have sent the angel Gabriel back to just take out Herod and spare all of those innocent babies from death? Well, after the angel warned Joseph, warned Joseph and Mary that Herod was after their baby, they took Jesus and fled, and they went 200 miles to Egypt. And, and again, you look at these details, it's like this doesn't make any sense. 33 years or so would go by, and Mary would experience the most unimaginable pain and sorrow that any mother could ever experience. And, and she stood outside of a courtyard and, and heard her, her firstborn son beaten. And the Bible says to a condition where you couldn't even recognize his face anymore. And then she saw her son Jesus. She saw the blood and more than likely smelled the blood. She saw her son with the crown of thorns and being forced to carry his cross to die the most painful death possible. The Romans had perfected the art of crucifixion to make sure a criminal lived as long as he could on the cross so as to suffer as long as possible before he would breathe his last breath. And Mary watched her son cry out in agony and watched him slump over as his body went lifeless. And yeah, we're on this side of Christmas and 
we know it all worked out. But at that moment, unsure of what was really happening, Mary stood there and watched it. Miss highly favored of God? Miss the Lord is with you? Your son's kingdom will never come to an end. Mary watched it all. And in those, those moments, it had to have seemed like just another act of Roman violence where nothing good could come from it. But God was not finished yet. Did you hear me? God. God was not finished yet. Because what looked like the very worst moment in history was actually the very epicenter of God's very best moment in history. It became the thumbprint of God where we're reminded every Christmas that, Christmas that Jesus came to die a purposeful death for our sins. And what seemed like a senseless story became the foundation for the redemption of mankind. And so when things don't seem to make sense, as the Christmas story certainly didn't make sense at that time. When there's an incurable illness and the doctor says it's just a matter of time. When there's a highway patrolman that gives tragic news to a family that turns their world upside down. When there's an unexpected job loss, the boss without warning says, collect your personal belongings, this is your last day to work here, we'll mail your check to you. Some of you know about this. When irreconcilable differences in a marriage lead to attorneys and hearings before a judge and ultimately a final divorce decree. When the dots don't connect and, and the puzzle doesn't fit together. And there are tears and confusion and pain. Christmas reminds us that God is Emmanuel, which means God with us just as God was with Mary. Well, about 25 years later, the Apostle Paul, with the vantage of hindsight, would look back on the confusing events surrounding the life of Jesus, and, and he would write a letter to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, and here's what he would write in Ephesians 1.11, said, in him we were chosen, say the word chosen, having been predestined, say predestined, According to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So this is just kind of a theological way of saying what we've been trying to say over the last 20 minutes. Paul said we were chosen by God. Let that settle down on you a moment. You were chosen. You know, some of you might have been so bad at sports to where you were not chosen on the playground in grade school as they picked teams. You might have not been chosen when the talents were evaluated for a school play or the choir or whatever. You might not have been chosen when it came to being the most influential person in the community or in this church or even at your workplace. But when it comes to God, you were chosen. He wanted you. D did you hear me? He wanted you. You were chosen. Well, the Apostle Paul continues in that verse and says, having been predestined, and that word predestined sometimes makes those of us with our theological persuasion a little bit nervous, but it shouldn't. Predestined just means that God had a divine plan for us from the very beginning where everything would work out according to his big plan. Paul is saying, God chose you, 
and had a divine plan for you. Now, on that very first Christmas, when Mary was chosen by God to be the earthly mother of Jesus, she didn't understand that plan. She didn't understand everything that we know today because, again, you know, the angel was Gabriel instead of Gabriel. The angel wasn't in the great detail. And so Mary didn't know about the donkey ride. She didn't know about Herod. She didn't know about the slaughter of baby boys. She didn't know that one day she would watch her son be beaten and crucified. She didn't know that one day he would rise from the dead. And, and she didn't know that 2,000 years later, we would still gather in her son's name. And every Sunday, one-third of the world's population would gather and, and serve him and worship him. She didn't know any of that. All she knew at that moment was, this doesn't make sense. But at the end of her conversation with the angel, she said, what I hope that you can say, what I hope I can say, this is huge. This is huge. Would you just say that with me? This is huge. This is our takeaway for today. Luke 138. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary didn't question, she didn't gripe, she didn't feel sorry for herself, she didn't go on Facebook ripping the hotels that wouldn't let her in, she didn't stir up drama for not having a comfortable ride to Bethlehem, she just simply said, may it be to me as you have said. I don't know how faith has been defined for you. Maybe you grew up in a church where you were taught that faith is what moves God. And to a certain extent, I can buy into that statement. I, I believe that our faith does move the heart of God. But I'm equally convinced that perfect faith is not just faith that moves God. Rather, perfect faith also moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem like God is moving. Let me say it again. Perfect faith is the faith that moves us, moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem like He's moving. Perfect faith is the faith that says, yeah, we met, we fell in love, we got engaged, got married, had three kids, but then life handed us a divorce, but I still trust God. Or life handed me a job loss without any savings to fall back on, but I still trust God. Or life handed me an empty chair during the holiday season of 2019 because of the death of a loved one, but I still trust God. Or life handed me a wayward child that is far from God, but I still trust God that he will come back, that she will come back. Our faith should help us to trust God in spite of the fact that life isn't moving according to our plan. Perfect faith is what caused Mary to say, I am your servant. May it be to me according to your word. No, nothing makes sense to me, but I'm your servant. May it be to me according to your word. Here's the good news. Regardless of what life has handed you, regardless of what doesn't make sense, Christmas can be the thumbprint that reminds us that God chose us. And we can still trust Him.
despite the fact that life isn't or hasn't gone according to our plan. So in light of all that, here's how I'd like for us to close our time together this morning. I would say that most of us within the past year have been handed something that we weren't expecting or that we didn't want. For some of you, it might have been a job loss. We keep talking about that, but that's real. For some of you, uh, after many years of marriage, there's tension in your marriage. You didn't see it coming and you don't know what's going on with your spouse, but things are just different. For some of you, you got bad news about your health or the health of a child or the health of a parent, the health of someone you love. For some of you, it's a tragedy that hit close to home. And those little phrases of, well, it just wasn't meant to be or all work out or everything happens for a reason, they don't bring comfort. They, they bring confusion. And, and you have uncertainty as Mary did after the angel rocked her world. But maybe today... Maybe today will be the day, even though the puzzle, puzzle seems to be missing half of the pieces. The dots don't connect. I pray that today will be the day that you can pray as Mary did. I am your servant. Let it be to me as a, according to your word. So here's what I'd like for us to do. And you know, I, I, I know sometimes we're a little bit prideful because we have the feeling that we've got to just make Everybody think that we've got it together. No worries. Akuna matata. No worries. But sometimes I think that God is pleased whenever we just humble ourselves a little bit. And so today, if, there's, if you're carrying something bigger than you, I, I, I want to kind of pull you out of your comfort zone. If that's you, I want to ask you to stand right now. If you're carrying something that's bigger than you, whether it's a disease or a child or job situation, health situation, whatever, would you just stand right now? Marriage situation, bigger than you. Just remain standing. You know, as we look around, we think that, you know, these people, many of them, they had it all together. <laughs> and they may. And they do. But you know what? Life hands us stuff. So today I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would meet you at your point of need. If you need comfort, God would give you comfort. If you need healing, you'd have healing or grace to go through it whatever you need, that God would meet you at your point of need. Lord, we just come to you right now. We are such a hurting people. Lord, we're full of stuff that we can't figure out. Lord, I know there are several people here this past year, they lost a loved one. And it hurts. Lord, some of the losses were tragic. They didn't live a full life. Lord, there were still, we thought, many years left. Lord, there are some here that found out they had cancer this past year. Lord, we have those that 
basically one one car problem away from not being able to pay the bills. So God, I pray for them. Lord, there are people here that they've told me their stories. Lord, they've got a child that's away from you or a child that's addicted to a substance. Lord, this Christmas season, I pray that just as you showed yourself faithful to Mary who was going through so much right there that she didn't understand. I pray that this Christmas season you would just come alongside of these people that have humbled themselves. Lord, that you would meet them at their point of need, that lost people would be restored. God, that the confusing things that are happening, that they would just find, Lord, that they would just find grace Lord, you may not choose to take away everything, just as the Apostle Paul, he prayed three seasons to take away the thorn, and you said, Paul, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to give you grace. My grace is sufficient. And so, Lord, that may be the response, but I just pray that you would give grace. And Lord, we, we, we heard about peace, as that's the focus of the Advent candle, the reading. Lord, I just pray that there would be peace for all. And so, God, as we go throughout this busy season, Lord, there's a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, but there's a lot of sadness. And God, I pray that you would help us to look beyond ourselves and that we could also be able to uh, minister to others. Thank you again, Lord, for this amazing account that you put in your word. We love you. We bless you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to change our lives, to redeem us, to save us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. Uh, I don't know what the weather's like out there. If it's slick, be safe. If it's not slick, still be safe, okay? You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.